What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 31 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman. Core, been a couple weeks now, but uh, we're back at it, man. NFL news might be a little slow right now, but we're still bringing out the content. Yeah, definitely. I mean, gotta gotta provide for for our listeners even in the, in the off season. So, ready to get back to discussing some football uh, this tonight. Yeah, listen, we're going to start it off with maybe um, something that we haven't touched up on, upon really since the national championship game, I guess, in January, the NCAA in college football. I mean, this more applies to obviously across the whole NCAA sports, but uh, the name image likeness law today was was officially, um, today was like the first day of it, right? So now people can profit off their name and stuff. And listen, that's phenomenal, man. Obviously, football is probably like the predominant, like the big money maker, I guess, if you want to say in NCAA sports. Obviously, all these sports make so much money, but it was kind of crazy that none of these guys could like sign with like companies and stuff like that. Like not even, not even just like shoe deals, man. Even just like local companies and stuff like that, they couldn't profit off of like YouTube videos that they made it or other social media things. So the fact that um now they can, I mean, at least at least it's good for the sport. And I definitely think that um. Come football season, we're going to see a lot of like these college stars at least be marketed a lot better. And uh, by the time they enter the NFL, I mean these guys are already stars, but now it's going to be like you're going to you're going to like kind of know them already for two years and stuff, like two plus years because you're going to see them everywhere. So I think it's like also just even better for the for the sport. Yeah, no, nah, definitely, I definitely think this is something that the NCAA had to had to like put across. And I, I I firmly don't think like like college athletes should be paid like directly for their play but if if you're a star in your like college sport I definitely think you should be able to do what you want and make money in other ways besides being like directly paid for your play like I think a lot of players I like a guy like like Spencer Rattler he'll probably sign now with some call like Nike Adidas something like that definitely able to profit some money like that so yeah when you're a star in your sport I think definitely deserve to be able to make money off it, no matter if you're in high college or in the pros. So, yeah, I think definitely this is right move by NCAA, and good to see it. Yeah, you kind of mentioned I'm on in that same boat as you. I don't think, like, universities should directly be able to pay, like, players. I think they, I think exactly what's happened is exactly what should happen. Like, a player should be able to sell his own merchandise, if you ask me. Like, I think that's crazy that you can't profit off of, like – I know, like you, like you can't sell your own like t-shirts. I, remember, I think I mentioned this like a while back. I was like, why can't Devonta Smith sell like DS6 shirts or something like that? You know what I mean? Like he, he had to wait until he was gone. But like, think about how much money he could have profited while he was like going for the Heisman. You know what I mean? It kind of, yes, like eventually he's, he's gonna get the endorsement stuff once he gets drafted and once he leaves Alabama. But I mean, for some of the some of the players, you know what I mean? Like they, they don't have that opportunity then at the next level. Uh, I know, obviously Reggie Bush. Is a big name too that's been resur- uh, like resurfacing today because Reggie Bush, uh, he got like his Heisman voided from the NCAA back in like 2005, I think he won the Heisman it was. But uh, I mean, this is basketball too, like the Fab Five and stuff like that with their Final Four banner uh, being taken down because of like uh, I forgot I I, can't, I don't actually remember what what the exact uh, who exactly was involved in it like specifically in the Fab Five. But uh, yeah, man, I, I hopefully they reinstate stuff like that, but. I don't think any of these guys should be um, like should have been prohibited and stuff like that. Johnny Manziel, another guy who uh, like think about him. I know obviously he was he was so big, but you know think about how much money Johnny Manziel could have made his senior uh, not senior season excuse me his last season at Texas A&M after he had already won the Heisman. Like every single week, then he could have done like something different and he could have just made 
honestly like th- hundreds of thousands of dollars because he was in the spotlight every single time and um I'm just happy these athletes now can benefit from this hopefully this again just brings even more eyes to the college football game because uh these guys are going to be like marketed a lot better now hopefully and hopefully like you said Spencer Rattler I think quarterback for Oklahoma probably the best returning quarterback you could argue I I don't necessarily think I'd give him that title but he definitely definitely could be I mean it's in the discussion for it so I think he's in a high profile position to benefit obviously you know you have your prime spots now your quarterback of Alabama whoever it's going to be probably Bryce Young this year but um yeah I mean now it kind of opens it up and I kind of want to open you up to this discussion like what's schools do you think will benefit from this because i think there's kind of two ways to look at this i think there's the way of one like i was just saying like oh if you're the quarterback for alabama you're basically going to be whenever you get that starting role you're basically going to make hundreds of thousands of dollars because you know what i mean you're going to be on espn abc every or cbs every weekend and uh you know what I mean? You're in the prime spotlight. You're going to be one of the stars of college football, presumably, if you're the quarterback of Alabama. Or do you think maybe a school like Alabama gets hurt in the way because Alabama brings in so many four- and five-star recruits that really don't play their first couple of years, whereas a school like, I don't know, Kansas State, right, a Power 5, Big 12 school, like not a bad – I'm not going to – like they're not a bad program at all. They're nothing special. They're probably not going to – like I don't can't, couldn't tell you the last time Kansas State won the Big 12 probably like eh, a while ago, you know what I mean? But – now, now somebody like a four-star recruit has to go, well, do I want to go sit on the bench for two years in Alabama or do I want to um, go to Kansas State right now and star and kind of uh, sign some deals with some uh, like local companies there or maybe even uh, try to grow his own brand? So I'm curious what you think about that. What type of schools do you think benefit in this situation? See, that's an interesting, interesting take. I mean, definitely can go both ways. Like you're five-star, like you're going – to Alabama, it doesn't matter. You're going to be probably going to get time, whether it's basketball, football. I mean, any sport, like, you're going to be the star there. It doesn't matter. But, yeah, if you're a four-star, I think now, like, people in the past, they might still want to go to, like, Clemson, Georgia, Alabama for, like, how, how dope it is to go to one of those schools. But now you're a four-star. I think, uh, like, you're going to go to maybe, I don't know, I'm going to say school like, in the ACC, I'll just say, like, Wake Forest. Like, you go to Wake Forest as a four-star recruit, like, you're probably going to play. You make a name for yourself. You're going to be able to generate some revenue for yourself. And I think, I think, yeah, I think four-star recruits, I think, yeah, that'll benefit by going to smaller schools. I don't think either – I think this only helps schools like that. Like, I don't think Alabama loses out on anything because, I mean, they're still bringing in five stars. Those guys are still going to – be big time names there but i think schools like like i don't know like, yeah like wake forest uh arkansas just like lower not lower tier teams but lower tier teams in those big conferences i think like they're going to be able to attract some more some more players with uh those type of guys who maybe want to make a name for themselves at those schools yeah and listen that, that's good for college football i mean maybe you see a little bit of um like talent distributed across more conferences and stuff like that so we don't see as lopsided i don't think it's going to be crazy like you kind of mentioned i think alabama's still going to get their five stars because at the end of the day would you rather be the star of kansas state for three years or would you rather be the star of alabama for one like you know what i mean you're the star of alabama for one uh and not only like you're practicing first of all you're also developing in alabama for two years their coaching staff is so great there that 
you're probably like your third year at each of the schools. You know what I mean? Even though you hadn't even started yet, there's a chance that you might even be better and you hadn't even stepped on the field like for a significant time yet. So I think, again, that's this is just going to be something that we're going to have to wait and see. Obviously, we're not going to be able to see it this year, the next year. You know what I mean? It's going to take years down the line kind of seeing how people start to shift their focus. Now, like in football, it's a lot different than the NBA, you know, because now the NBA people were start, stop, uh, excuse me, stopping like going to college and stuff, playing in like the G League. I know uh, Jalen Green. Uh, what's the other guy's name? Kaminga? Jonathan Kaminga, yeah. Yeah, listen, I, I knew if I dropped an NBA name on here, I might get a little smile out of you. So I had to, I had to bring Kaminga up a little bit. But uh, yeah, so hope, hopefully, like I said, these college guys can take advantage of their talent, man. Because, I mean, it's – you know what I mean? I, I don't have the stat in front. Like, they always tell you, like, how little percent of high school athletes move on to play college sports. And then that much smaller is Division One, man. Like – Obviously, it goes across all divisions in college. Like, it is very tough to play a college sport. The commitment is unbelievable. You know, you, hey, listen, you know as well as us, right, man? How, how it's crazy, right? No, yeah, it is crazy. I think, I think even like D two and D three athletes could could benefit from this. I mean, if you're balling out at that, I'm not saying someone's gonna like necessarily sign you. Like, you're not gonna get signed by by like Jordan as a D3 athlete, most likely, but if you're like balling out, definitely can get some recognition. I mean, and there's someone out there who might like contact you, I think as a D2 and D3 athletes. And I think if you're like an absolute stud at that level, you decide to sell some merchandise, like people could hop on, hop on your bandwagon a little bit and maybe tune into some of your games. And you could always do like shout out destroying like he, he started like YouTubing. He, he had a, offer it I, he had a d1 scholarship at ucf and he chose youtube over that now he's making a lot of money so i mean athletes at the d2 d3 three level even d1 obviously like youtube another um way that these guys could just make money in general yeah yeah no doubt about it i think i think social media is probably going to be like the most common way i think or just like little things on social media or i mean as simple as like people sending you free merchandise like i saw um who was it today? it's like a bar store that uh, uh portnoy was um like on the today's like yeah he's like just let me like at least like send you merch or something whatever like you know what i mean we could start becoming like barstool athletes is what he's calling it but like it's crazy that like a college athlete had to like document stuff and like certain gifts like you just couldn't accept because of stuff like that because oh the only reason why he's getting it is because of the the um like because because he's a player and stuff like that like now hopefully recruiting violations go down because obviously you can't pay a guy now but like uh you know i mean at least like boundaries are a little um a little lifted at least so good for the ncaa that listen they, they don't do a lot of things right but they definitely got this right long overdue but hopefully we uh we see the impacts of it this year and i know bo nicks today um was on twitter and i saw on instagram and i saw he like posted a uh I think it was like a chocolate milk that he like posted a thing with. And he's, he's like, uh, what's it called? And then some Alabama fan like replied to him and poured, like took the took the same brand of chocolate milk out of their fridge and just dumped it down the sink. And it's like, if Bo Nix is drinking it, I'm not drinking it. So I thought that was pretty funny. But uh, I, you're going to see it a lot. And good, listen, good for them. Uh, Bo, Nix, Bo Nix is another guy, though, I feel like that will like greatly benefit because Bo Nix – I mean, we really haven't seen him take that next step in the college level. So this is going to be his third year. Like if he doesn't really like necessarily pan out, I mean, he was a five-star recruit coming out. He could have like, you know what I mean? He could have started 
started profiting off his name right as a freshman and stuff like that. And then last year, now he is going to this year at least. Another guy who I remember I was reading about a little bit, and it was an interesting thing too, like Sam Ellinger, like Ellinger, excuse me. Um, like you, it would have probably been more profitable for Sam Ellinger to stay and be the quarterback of Texas this year than go into the draft. You know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because the quarterback of Texas and especially like the state of Texas, I mean, that is crazy, man. All of local, every local business would want Sam Ellinger to do that, to take a picture with this and they'll write him a five figure, six figure check to just do that. So, uh, that is what you want. It's going to, we're just going to have to wait and see, but I mean, I feel bad for some of the athletes who missed out on it, but, uh, I'm happy that at least they, it's not, they're not going to, the future athletes won't miss out on it, but moving on to more of, uh, Something that we do that was definitely interesting to me. I know we were talking about this before the show. Uh, the this past week, I believe this was last Wednesday, last Friday, I believe it was. Uh, George Kittle, Greg Olson, Travis Kelsey, they they came up with this idea a couple months ago, and they were like, "Yo, why don't we get all these good tight ends in the NFL, and let's just come together on a practice field. We'll hang out and everything. We'll pass our knowledge on." And honestly, it just looked like a great time, man. It looked like these guys are just sharing knowledge of the game and stuff like that. And it, it looks like a great time. I wish the media maybe covered it more because it's one of those things like in the NFL where you get like these guys kind of like unfiltered. You probably would have gotten some real good content out of that because these guys are just being dudes. Oh, not yet. I have I didn't really see much about it, but I mean, like, yeah, the idea of it sounds tremendous in my opinion, like just getting a bunch of guys. I mean, it's just the tight end bond, you know, around the league. Getting a, getting a little stronger. I mean, all these guys coming together it look more of like, I wouldn't say laid back. Like, obviously, these guys are trying to get some work in, but it was just a chill time kind of look like guys putting in some type of work, but not like, like, I'm going to describe it. Like, it's not like, Nothing it's like, a mix, like, yeah, nah. Like, obviously, they're just getting like workouts in, but like, good to, for them to like, get to know each other more and, uh, see each other play and work out as a tight end position. I, I mean, I'd like to see other positions do that. Like, I think the wide receivers did that. Like, be really cool. I mean, tight end is a cool position, but I think with wide receivers in it, probably be more all over social media. Like, guys, like all the top guys, wide receivers come together. Like, there's a lot of tight ends who aren't as, like, famous on social media as, like, yeah, as the wide receivers. But, yeah, I definitely like the idea as a whole from uh Kittle Olsen and then yeah Kelsey obviously involved in the rest of the tight ends I thought really good idea yeah listen they had a nice weight room there I was seeing a couple of those guys uh there was a picture uh I think it was like Cole Komet he was rocking like a nice tight end university shirt too so they and listen they're trying to get the tight end brand up because tight ends are kind of like they, they get some credit in some points I mean we see like people rave about Kyle Pitts and about oh at the tight end position he could do everything this past draft season but I remember Greg Olson was saying uh the other day, he's like, we block some – half of the time, we block the same people tackles do. Half of the time, we run routes and catch passes like receivers do, but they make double the money that we do. And we do both of the things at this – and are expected to do both of the things at the same level that they do. So if you really think about it, I mean, you look at the tight end position that way, a little criminally overrated. But I've always said that like, an elite tight end man can really, really, like, shape an offense. Like, I remember – the year that the 49ers went to the Super Bowl, I mean, even if you look at the pet, like that Super Bowl matchup, Kittle versus Kelsey at the tight end position, I mean, those are two best teams in football that year, and their offense, I'm not going to, I can't really say the Chiefs offense revolves around Travis Kelsey, as good as he is, you know what I mean, it's Patrick Mahomes' offense, but San Francisco's offense is it's George Kittle's, we can do uh, in the run game, 
and then obviously one-on-one almost impossible to guard George Kittle, especially with his speed. But listen, they took the name tight end university core. It sparked up a little bit of a debate this week. The real tight end university, obviously we always hear about, oh, LSU is DBU or Alabama is DBU. Then they're always talking about wide receiver U. But core, we don't hear enough arguments about tight end university, T-E-U. You can start it off first. Best school, we'll go, I guess we'll go like within like the last 20 years. We don't have to go just active guys. But uh, who do you think is the true TEU? I mean, I think I hate to I hate to sound I hate to sound like pretty basic, but I think right now I think we're gonna have to go we're gonna have to go with Iowa. I mean, you got George Kittle, you got Noah Fant, you got T.J. Hawkinson, like even Dallas Clark, like former former tight end. Like I mean. I think Miami might give him a little bit of a run. You got Jimmy Graham, uh, Jeremy Shockey, David Njoku. Like, maybe give him a little bit of a run. But I think when I'm looking at everyone here, I don't really think – I think Iowa's kind of in, the, in their league of – kind of in the league – what am I saying? League of their own. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ride with the Hawkeyes on this one. I think, uh, I think they outdo everyone here. Yeah, listen, if we're going off active players, I'm in agreement. I, I like Iowa, too. Obviously, they had two first-round picks in 2019 at the tight end position, which is unheard of. I mean, it's lucky. Like some, I feel like it's like a coin flip every year, right, if you get a tight end prospect in the first round. I know 20 – was it 2019 or 2017, there was like three of them. 2018, I can't think off the top of my head. 2019, there was two of them from both from Iowa in 2020. I think Cole Komet was the first tight end off the board in the 40s. So to have two tight ends from the same college in the same year, that's absurd. So hats off to Iowa. Who's that? Like whatever, whoever Iowa's tight end coach is, that guy deserves a raise. And obviously you mentioned George Kittle, who's just become one of the stars of the National Football League. But Miami missed out two big names, Core. And I know these guys are a little older. Greg Olson. I know you mentioned Shockey, the guy who was a little older. Kellen Winslow Jr. Now I know he didn't have the maybe didn't live up to expectations. A crazy high draft pick in uh, the first round, but. I mean, he was a stud in Miami, earned, definitely earned his spot there. Another school that I don't think definitely is tight end, T-E-U, I'll keep calling it that, uh, Stanford. I think Stanford's got a couple of dogs at the tight end position. You got uh, Zach Ertz, uh, second-round pick. He went to, obviously, Philadelphia. He's been a star. We'll get to him a little later, probably. Uh, Austin Hooper, another guy out of Stanford. You got this, – this, guy, this guy's kind of old. He had, like, a couple injuries. Kobe Fleener. Uh, he was on the Colts. You remember Kobe Fleener? Yeah, I remember Kobe Fleener. He was a nice little tight end. I think it was. I think he actually played with Andrew Luck in Stanford too. And then he got. He might have gotten drafted the same year. He might have been like the second pick, second round pick thirty three, uh, of that draft. Like they might have went Luck one one and then, uh, Felina. But besides the point. Uh, I know the guy in the Giants too, Caden Smith. I know Caden Smith. Nothing like too too special, but another guy. So oh, Levine Toyolo, another guy actually on the Giants who went to Stanford. So you know, what I mean, they got a, they got a couple dogs over there at Stanford. Former Jim Harbaugh products. David Shaw products now, but um, I, I I think overall I'm going to agree with you. I think I'll lean Iowa. I think Miami does make a very close run. I think I can't get mad if you say Miami, but I think especially I'll say Iowa too because it's going to make me sound a lot better in like three years when Hawkinson and Fan continue to break out and obviously Kittle uh, continues on his stardom because I mean those three guys are some of the top like have some of the top futures. Like if you're trying to project tight ends over the next four years, let's say, I mean, I think you definitely, I think you have those three guys in your top 10. Nah, Pale, man, I can't believe, 
I leave this guy Greg Olson off the off the board for Miami. I mean, he's probably he's probably like the best the guy on that list overall. And I mean, I leave the guy off the list. Been a little hasn't really been relevant over the last few years. But I mean, if Greg Olson, you ever listen to this? I mean, you got every right to be mad at me, man. You're probably the best guy on that list, and I left you off. So yeah, I mean, Miami overall definitely gives Iowa a run. But like you said, like you're looking at the tight ends right now, like George Kittle. No offense, TJ Hawkinson, like you're like those are probably three top I mean Kittle obviously top two, but like Fant and Hawkinson probably like top seven tight ends right now. So I think overall Iowa Iowa takes it. But yeah, Miami not really far behind. Yeah, you you do mention Greg Olson kind of forgetting. I'll give you a pass because Greg Olson probably got drafted. He was on one of the he was on like those good Miami teams when he was like uh like an underclassman. So I'd say he probably got drafted like two thousand six. Maybe 2005, 2007, one of those years. So you know what I mean? That was, that was like you shouldn't. Re- I don't really expect you to remember my Miami. So I'll g- I'll give you a pass on that one, core. But uh, I think actually Greg Olson. I don't really, like hats off to retirement. I'm pretty sure he's officially retired, Greg Olson. So uh, hats off to him and what you want. And good for his son. I know his son was uh, dealing with like a heart transplant, but uh, so far like recently it looks all good on that front. So shout out to the Olson family and uh, let's keep going, core. And last episode we kind of. Talked about like the wide receivers with Eli after we did the Julio Jones trade, and then we um did our wide receiver draft. So what a better way to do today? I mean, we've kind of been all tight end themed, talking about tight end university, the camp, then talking about what school produces the best tight ends. So I think it's only fitting to do the tight end snake draft. So kind of similar to the way we did it with Eli, uh, we're gonna each have we're gonna go back and forth. It's gonna be a snake draft. We're gonna have eight total rounds. And, yeah, you have the first pick. We decided on that pre-show. I think this one is not going to shock that too many people. Core, take it away. I mean, first pick in this uh, tight end snake draft, I'm going to have to go with with Travis Kelsey out of uh, Cincinnati. I mean, Travis Kelsey, this guy, like, has just emerged. Not not only is he top tight end in the league, but it's just just a top – pass catcher in anything in the league like this guy's putting up like this guy was a wide receiver he'd, he'd be putting up like he has he had over 1400 yards and over 100 receptions as a tight end which is honestly pretty crazy yeah he has Patrick Mahomes on the ball and he's more of a receiving tight end like a lot of tight ends are more responsible for blocking but just what this guy does and helps that offense like you said you can't say like the offense revolves around Travis Kelsey but I mean if you take Travis Kelsey out of that offense, it's a completely different offense. So, yeah, Travis Kelsey at number one, I think, kind of no doubt. And that's going to, yeah, it's going to be my pick. I mean, he broke the record last year. Obviously, it was, it was broken by Kittle two years ago, but then, or excuse me, not three years ago, the 2018 season. But he had over 1,400 yards last year, Kelsey. Like you said, I mean, such a big part of what the Chiefs do offensively in the middle of the field and stuff like that. He could absolutely take over games like, what was it? There was a the playoff game, 2000. Technically, it was 2000, like the 2019 football season. It was the year that they went went to the Super Bowl. The, a, the NFC divisional round that game uh, against Houston. I think he had like three touchdowns, right? 130 yards or something like that. Uh, they could not cover him, Houston. They tried to play like Lonnie Johnson on him. Or, uh, it was an absolute mess. So, Kelsey, an absolute game record. That's what a good tight end can do for you in the middle of the field. So, I'm not surprised about this pick. And honestly, you shouldn't really be too surprised about my first two picks. I kind of get a shoe in on my next two. I think the tight end position, the biggest thing about this is that like, I think Kelsey maybe has a little bit of a gap. I personally don't think there really is a gap, but 
definitely from the top three, I think there's a little bit of a fall off. So I, I kind of knew when I when I when I kind of persuaded my way into picks two and three, I kind of knew that um I'd be getting two uh two real good ball players. So I'll take George Kittle first, who I personally think is the best tight end in the National Football League. And that's just no disrespect on Travis Kelsey, but what George Kittle can do. Uh, from a run blocking standpoint and just how that changes a defense's mindset when six guys uh, at least now are blocking and blocking to an offensive lineman's like caliber when you still have Kittle then who's one of those guys who can run a four or five and you can't really guard him with a linebacker because he's just going to outrun any of them. Uh, he was such a huge part for San Francisco in 2019, even though he's a little banged up, had over a thousand yards, even though he missed two games last year, he was definitely banged up. Uh, he plays with so much energy, so much passion. Uh, definitely, I think, one of the most exciting players in the National Football League, and I definitely hope he can stay healthy. One of my favorite football players. And I honestly think um, one of non-quarterback positions, he's one of the one of the top six players in the – like uh, non-quarterback, I'll say he's one of the – I personally think he's one of the top six like non-quarterback position players in the, in the National Football League. I think of him in that higher standard. So uh, – I'll give you my next pick, and then we'll kind of recap. You can kind of recap on them. Uh, Darren Waller will be the next selection. I know Darren Waller, Waller the baller in 2019, really broke out at over 1,000 yards in 2019 and 2020. Finally made a Pro Bowl in 2020. Uh, look, this guy's a great story, man. He got drafted as a wide receiver by Baltimore, uh, had a couple like drug-related issues, figured it all out. Uh, he was like the star of Hard Knocks a couple years ago. And, yeah, what he's been able to do for Derek Carr, he's more of that to that kind of blend between receiver tight end, obviously, starting as a wide receiver. But you can kind of see, he's, again, just an absolute mismatch for teams. You can split him out wide, too. Uh, I think he's got, again, he's, he's a little on the older side. And I'm, I say on the older side, he's only 28 years old. But really, it's only like he's had two really good years of production. But uh, with Derek Carr throwing him the ball, hopefully this year, again, I hope Darren Waller has a real good season. Because, again, I have another guy who's on – extremely talented player now yeah but when first you say Kittle you think of him as a top six player I mean overall as a tight end he, he's probably the number one tight end in in the game just like what he does with the blocking game also so I mean I, I mean personally these two picks I mean top three I think we all knew like if you were gonna say like top three guys no order it was like a minus 10,000 odds that these three guys would be <laughs> off the board so I mean, yeah, Kittle at two, like you said, probably a top player in the league, just to just how versatile he is. And then, yeah, Darren Waller, the guy is an absolute baller. I mean, he, like you could say, some offense is the tight end. I mean, Kittle and Waller, the offense kind of does revolve around them. I mean, yep. Josh Jacobs on the, on the Raiders is a running back, but in the passing game, I mean, Darren Waller, even as a tight end, like he, he's their number one option. Six six. He he just. I think he runs like what? Like he ran like a four four something. I don't yeah. know. I, yeah. Now nah, this guy, just a freak, and he's a great story. How I know he had some drug issues, and now he's balling. Had over almost twelve hundred yards last year, and yeah, I think he's only gonna get better at the age of twenty eight. Not necessarily young, but I think he'll he'll only get better. But I think at number four, Payo, this is where the real picks begin, mm. and it. And at the number four pick, I mean, this is a tough one. I think, I mean, he's not in a great passing offense, but I'm going to go with the guy at Oklahoma. I'm going to take Mark Andrews. I mean, he, I know Marquise Brown is in that offense, but Mark Andrews, you look at that offense and 
Lamar goes to Mark Andrews a lot when like he when he wants like he's there. He's Lamar's most trustworthy passing option, I think. So I think Mark Mark Andrews his stats might be a little misleading just because that offense just not really a big passing offense. But I think Mark Andrews is a really good tight end. So I'm gonna take him with the fourth pick. In the fifth pick, you know, I, I told Payo there's no way I'm gonna let let him get this guy. Probably could have passed on him and then he would have got him next, but you know. I'm going to go with the rookie out of Florida, Kyle Pitts. I don't think I have to do much explaining. This guy also runs like a 4-4, just a mismatch in college. I expect not much different in the NFL, maybe a little bit, but I, I still expect him to be putting up big-time numbers, especially in that in the Falcons offense with Matt Ryan, losing Julio Jones. Still got Calvin Ridley, but, I mean, Kyle Pitts going to come in there, put up some big numbers this year. So, yeah, those are my – got Mark Andrews at 4 and uh, Kyle Pitts at five. Yeah, Kyle Pitts, I'll keep it short and sweet because I think I've raved about him a lot on this podcast. That's just a shot in the gut. Uh, Corey knows how much I love Pitts. Uh, definitely, this past season, too, on Florida, I definitely uh, – I mean, I mean, the first the first college football game of the season I'm watching is Florida Ole Miss, and the guy, the guy scores four touchdowns. Easy, man. He glides. You put him anywhere. I know now with Julio Jones, he's basically second in line out of targets with Calvin Ridley on a team that has a – still a bad defense and a quarterback Matt Ryan who likes to uh likes to sling the rock a lot so Arthur Smith new head coach wants to prove himself I think Kyle Pitts even though tight rookie tight ends it's a hard adjustment in their rookie year I think uh Pitts has everything going for him and then Mark Andrews I mean the guy leading the tight end position over the last two years in touchdowns with 17 you mentioned maybe his stats are a little misleading because of how dominant of a run offense they are uh but yeah he's definitely their go-to target I think you could say on offense when they do pass the ball I don't necessarily think that like he's like a wow you type of guy but I mean the guy's like he's productive and at the end of the day like sometimes like we'll we'll get to some people on this list who they have all the intangibles but it's just like they can't put it together but Mark Andrews one of those hard-nosed football players who puts it together uh and yeah he's, he's a good ball player obviously he's a good blocker too in uh Baltimore's offense and in their run heavy offense so a good fit for good fit for them uh i have the next two picks uh i'm gonna let you react to my first pick after i make it that way i can get a little bit of time here to think about my second one i, I kind of have an option like i have a thought but i don't know if i can do it my first pick uh i actually have this guy above both mark andrews and kyle pitts uh i'll take tj hawkinson and i know that might be crazy. like tj hawkins only played two years now in the league first year like we kind of just mentioned tight ends do take a little bit to adjust but I mean this is a former eighth overall pick out of Iowa and last year really proved why he was that eighth overall pick over 100 targets uh 67 catches for like 700 yards only uh six touchdowns again a little low but Matt Stafford was dealing with uh some injuries and stuff but I think he'll be okay I know Jared Goff obviously is in town, but with no Kenny Galladay, he's what they got really. Uh, I honestly, don't, I can't. They also lost Marvin Jones, and I can't think of one receiver off the top of my head that they brought in. I think they brought in, I can't think who they brought in, but obviously he's going to be their focal point in their offense. He's another guy who's a really good run blocker, which is why also he was picked eighth overall because he's a complete tight end. So I think that even um, opens up a lot more opportunities for him. Obviously, it's going to keep him on the field during uh, early downs because he can block. So, yeah, I'll go with TJ Hawkinson at pick number – this pick number six. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I wanted to take Pitts at number five. And at number four, I was like, yo, do I take – do I take 
Hawkinson or Andrews? And I sided with Andrews, but I think it could have went either way. Honestly, Hawkinson probably in that offense. I mean, Jared, they're going to be losing more than the Ravens, and Jared Goff can air it out more than, than Lamar Jackson right now. I mean, Lamar Jackson obviously can, but I mean, Goff can sling it. So I think Hawkinson at the sixth pick, you get you're getting a little bit of a steal. I just wanted to get Pitts on my roster, but yeah, Hawkinson at six. Probably going to be the steal of the draft, honestly. The guy, really good, like you said, showed why he's number eight pick. And in his third, te- third season, should be able to take another leap on this uh, Detroit team. So, yeah, I like the pick. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think you could give um, Mark Andrews, honestly, a little bit of a th- – like, I think those guys are neck and neck. I think that just comes down to more, like, opinion and preference. And one thing I do want to correct, I, I think I said Matt Stafford missed a game this past year. I meant in uh, 2019. He watched one. I missed like the second half of the year. And obviously, TJ Hawkinson's first game, he actually went off. Had a real good game against uh, Arizona, the game that they tied. I think he had like 130 yards and a touchdown. So uh, I'm going to make my seventh pick. And I'm going to take a guy who every week I end up just screaming at my TV for. And I talk about guys who have intangibles. Evan Ingram, a f- former first-round pick out of Ole Miss uh, to the New York Giants, 23rd overall. I just hasn't put it together for the Giants. Somehow he was a Pro Bowler last year. I haven't like he had 600. Uh, no, excuse me. He had 654 yards and one touchdown last year, and he made the Pro Bowl in the NFC. I know the NFC tight end position wasn't great this year. Hawkinson was also one of the Pro Bowlers, but I, he kind of did steal Tunyon's spot from him. But uh, Evan Ingram, like he's he's a mismatch. He just he has to be consistent. There are too many drop passes with Evan Ingram. I say a lot that, like, at the end of the day, like, you got to produce, like, uh, and this is a make-or-break year for him with the Giants. Obviously, the Giants' offense wasn't great last year. I mean, he didn't help too much, but hopefully now, I mean, last year, if you really think about it, he was probably their most dynamic playmaker left. So I guess you could, if if you're a big Evan Ingram guy, you could be like, uh, there was a lot of pressure on him, but I necessarily won't defend him that much. But I will say this, I think with Saquon Barkley coming back, I think with bringing Kadarius Toney, uh, obviously bringing Kenny Galladay as well, I think the field will open up a lot more for Evan Ingram. I think he's getting better as a blocker as his years have went on. Again, he's nothing special again there, but it's it's gotten better over the years. He's gotten a little bit more comfortable with it. And hopefully the middle of the field opens up because, again, this is a guy at the tight end position who's an absolute blazer and he can uh, really work some magic in the middle of the field when he puts it all together. So I hope Evan Ingram – can really break out this year. And I'm hoping like, like with Kenny Galladay on the outside, it really frees people up because with that, like they, they really haven't had like that. I know Slayton plays on the outside too, but they haven't really had that, like go get him guy with, uh, Evan Ingram since Odell Beckham jr. Left. So, uh, hopefully that opens things up for him. Cause I'm, I'm expecting big things out of Ingram this year. Hey, I mean, I, I like Evan Ingram. I know he's a mismatch, but I don't know. I think, uh, Maybe that's a little biased from you because you're a Giants fan. I mean, I, I like Evan Ingram. I think talent-wise, I think definitely, I think would be the right pick. But I think, yeah, he's, st- he's still young. What's this, like his fourth? Going to be his fourth or fifth? Fourth, right? I think fourth season. Uh, gonna be, he's going into his fifth. Going into his fifth. Oh, he's going into his fifth. Yeah, he's going into his fifth. So, yeah, nah, definitely has all the tools there, the speed, strength, everything there. Uh, as a pass catcher, I, I think he'd probably tell you he should be able to be, he should be, he should be doing more than what he's been doing, drop, drop some passes. But I mean, he shows flashes of being, uh, quite a problem uh, as a, as a player and playmaker for the Giants. So 
I mean, talent-wise, I like this pick. And if he puts it together, I think uh, it should be a good pick. Right now, I'm not sure. Like, there's guys with higher floors than Evan Ingram, but the potential for this guy is definitely off the charts. So, And you're a Giants fan, so, I mean, I respect this pick. And uh, what is this number number eight? It's going to be, I don't know, this is where it gets a little tough. A lot of, like, guys very close to each other after the top three. But, you know, I uh, I traded this guy. I mean, I traded for this guy in fantasy football last year, and I gave up to Sean Watson. And, you know, I'm going to have to take Dallas Goddard from, from the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, I think Goddard, I think he's the tight end on this team now. I think Zach Ertz. Like you said, I might talk about that after. I think Ertz kind of on the way out in Philly. I think Ertz, I think Goddard's the guy for for Philly now at the tight end position. I know they just got Devontae Smith before they like as a pass catcher before they got Devontae Smith. I mean Goddard. I remember I watched the game on like Monday Night Football. I need this guy Goddard to give me a lot of points. And Wentz was just throwing to Goddard every play because like who else is going to throw the ball to? But I think Dallas Goddard definitely out of. Uh, North Dakota State? No, South Dakota State. South, South Dakota State. State. The Jackals. Yeah, South Dakota State. Yeah, no, nah, the Jackals. South Dakota State, I think Goddard has been uh, pretty good. And I think he'll, he got injured last year, actually missed a few weeks. Actually, more than a few weeks, like five, six weeks. And I think if he can stay healthy, I think uh, I think Devontae Smith, obviously the number one pass catcher on this team. But I think at the tight end position, I think uh, Goddard will make an impact. And then at the number... Nine pick, I think this is. This is honestly a tough one, but I'm gonna go with Noah Fant uh, on the on the on the Denver Broncos. I think Fant has has done well in the league. Maybe his numbers aren't great. I mean, tight ends these days, besides like Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, Kittle, probably Pitt soon. Like you're not casually putting up like 1,200 yards. Like you're a tight end. So I think Noah Fant only had like I think he had like 673 yards this year. But, I mean, the offense, I think Drew Locke could be up. I think they need to upgrade a quarterback. But I think Noah Fant in that offense is, is a good tight end. So, I'm going to tell you, I'm taking Noah Fant with the ninth pick. Yeah, Corey, listen, man. I liked where your head was at maybe thinking that I reached reached with Evan Ingram. But I don't know. I think you left you left the guys who I was really debating with on the board. Now, this is not to take anything away from Goddard. I think Goddard's a good ball player. But, uh. I don't. I, I technically, I don't think he's still the best tight end on his roster. I would not have taken him over the other tight end on his roster. I'll get to him in a second. But like, he'll, he'll probably step into a bigger role this year and uh, uh, accumulate a lot uh, more targets. Hopefully, he can stay healthy. Fan. Uh, I, I'm, again, I love like the uh, like the athletic tight ends, the quick tight ends who can uh, who are just too big for safeties and too slow for li- or too fast for linebackers. Excuse me. So fan definitely fits that prototype. I think, yeah, maybe with Teddy Bridgewater this year, maybe it gets a little better. Um, but, yeah, another guy who Denver's offense kind of like – I mean, they targeted, they targeted him 93 times last year. You know what I mean? Like that's – for a tight end, that's honestly – I think he was ranked like fifth in the league. So he plays a decent role in their offense. Hopefully, uh, again, getting Coyle and Sutton back, that could help maybe his production a little bit. But I kind of tip my pick a little bit here. Uh, my first pick is actually going to be Hunter Henry of now the New England Patriots. And Hunter Henry, another guy – who has struggled with injuries over the past two years, this is now, but a guy who I, I don't, there's just too much talent with Hunter Henry. If you ask me, I uh, was a second round pick out of Arkansas, a guy again, who can block and 
entering New England, uh, they got like haven't really gotten tight end production since Gronk left. Uh, I think he could step into a big role, and I honestly think he's going to be better than the free free agent acquisition that they also signed Johnny Smith at tight end, who maybe pick later in this. And uh, yeah, maybe maybe I think his numbers should have been a little better this past year. Only had about 600 and yeah, 600 yards, four touchdowns with Justin Herbert. Didn't miss a couple games. But I'll go Hunter Henry in hopes that he has a breakout year and just kind of buying into the Patriots' philosophy of uh, it looks like how they're going to run the ball and play two tight end sets. And then uh, I kind of leave this guy on the board. I uh, uh, I can't do it. I, and I kind of mentioned this guy. I did mention this guy's name, but it's not going to be Zach Ertz. It's going to be Rob Gronkowski who I'm also going to take. Might be a little bit of a reach. Gronk obviously a little washed up. But with Tampa Bay, he still listen. He still caught seven touchdowns. Was still threatening the red zone. And again, Gronk is another tight end who's a very, very good blocker uh, on that side of on um, whatever side of the line he's lined up on. And uh, he's Gronk at the end of the day. He's one of the most dominant. He's the most dominant tight end we've ever seen. So uh, I at this point, I I don't know. I I like a couple of these guys who I think maybe you could squeeze over a Gronk, but like. I don't. I like. I, I still love Gronk's threat in the red zone, and especially him playing with Tom Brady, uh, a guy you want on your roster. Nah, yeah, I think uh, Gronk. I'll go Gronk first. I mean, obviously, Gronk. I mean, Gronk in his past, probably the best tight end in the league. But I mean, I think he scored two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. I think he definitely has a, at least a little bit left in the tank, especially with Tom Brady. The, the chemistry is there. So I, I don't hate that pick. I mean, I got no disrespect to the tight end position, but it is a lot of like mediocre player, mediocre tight ends in the league these days. Mm-hmm. So I'm Rob Gonkowski at the, what is that? The 10th pick. I think that's a solid pick. And then, Oh no, 11 Hunter Henry at the, at the 10th pick. Yeah. Now Hunter Henry was a guy I, I was looking on my, my, on my draft boards, you know, I sided with a uh, fan. And my guy got it, but yeah, not Hunter Henry. Obviously, was always a guy in, in uh, L.A. who, when he was healthy, I know he had a torn ACL, I believe, but when he was healthy, obviously, was one of either fifth, either Philip Rivers or Justin Herbert's uh, weapons to throw to. So yeah, and I, I like both those picks, honestly. And with my uh, was the 12th, 12th pick, yeah, yeah, it's right. gonna be twelve and thirteen. Yep. All right, twelfth pick. I'm going to go – this is a tough one, honestly. I'm going to take – I don't know. It's, this is where it gets tough. I'm going to go with Janu Smith also on the on the New England Patriots now. And I think Janu Smith also signed a pretty big deal from the Tennessee Titans. I think in that offense, like they're signing two tight ends for a reason. I think Janu Smith and Hunter Henry both going to be pretty involved in this offense. And Janu – Smith for the first few weeks of uh, 2020 season, like this guy was playing like a, like a top five tight end in the league. So I know his, his final stats are pretty ugly. Like he only ended like 448 yards, but I mean, the guy in the beginning, yeah, I was balling out. So I'm, I'm going to ride with Johnny Smith, the Florida international product. So I'll take him with 12th pick and then 13th pick. I'm between two guys. You know, I want oh, it's so hard, man. I'm gonna go with this is a guy I had I, I had on my team at the end, kind of became my my team name. I'll go with Robert Tanyan from the Green Bay Packers. I mean, this guy Tanyan, 
always found a way to found the, find the end zone. I know he had Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball, but I think, what do you have? Like, at least double-digit uh, touchdowns. Uh, yeah, he was – he, he had 11 uh, touchdowns. He only had 586 yards, but he also has Devontae Adams on the team where this guy's seeing all the targets. I think Robert Tanyan definitely is a good tight end in this league. Probably got snubbed of a Pro Bowl. So, yeah, I'll take my two picks here. I think I left a guy on the board, honestly. Maybe he'll be around next time because it seems like we're uh, kind of thinking different here. But, yeah, I'll take Johnny Smith and Robert Robert Tanyan. I think Johnny Smith is good. Again, another another one of those tight ends that fits the mold of that athletic tight end who um, can beat people in open space. I know Bill Belichick, I think, said he's one, he is the best tight end in open space. But, yeah, I mean, that terrifies me that he finished the year with, like, 450 yards after getting off to a good start, um, especially in, like, an offense in uh, Tennessee where, like, there, there wasn't a whole lot of pass catchers. Like, obviously, Derrick Henry went crazy, but that should open up, you would think, more of the play-action game for a guy like Jonu Smith in the middle of the field. Obviously, they did have A.J. Brown. I know Corey Davis had almost 1,000 yards, so maybe there wasn't enough of the ball to go around. Uh, going to New England, playing with Hunter Henry, I don't necessarily help think helps. But listen, I think he's talented enough that he has the chance to, like, be the 1A tight end to Hunter Henry's 1B because there's there's no 1 and 2 tight ends. These guys are going to play 70%, 75% of snaps probably. But, yeah, I, I, I think it's possible that Smith outpaces Henry. And I think whatever tight end – I think if only one of these guys, too, were in New England, uh, we would have drafted both of them, either one of them, whichever one went to New England, a lot higher. Um, I think Jonu Smith actually signed first, right? And then, like, Henry signed at the end of the day. Or he signed like the next day. Yeah, like the, when I first saw John Smith going to New England, I was pretty hyped for the guy. Like I was like, that is a good, that's a good fit. They'll hopefully get the most out of him. And like I said, he's another, he's an athletic playmaker. So uh, I think he might get hindered a little bit by Henry, but uh, I think John Smith, John Smith is a good ball player. And then uh, Tanyan, Tanyan, uh, Robbie T. Listen, the guy catches touchdowns, man. Uh, he, the Packers like were kind of lacking that like second receiver role. Obviously, he had Lazard filter through there Valdez scantling but uh tanyan became rogers is like second option and it really showed in the red zone and uh we'll see we'll see maybe if there's no rogers this year i i mean honestly i think there is going to be rogers but i wonder how his production maybe falls off with jordan love but i think tanyan would have definitely been picked here so i think that was a good pick from you honestly john smith i think also wouldn't have made it back to you but one guy who I won't make it back to you i was going to pick this guy first i'm going to take zach Ertz, and we'll talk about zach Ertz a little bit too uh, Zach Ertz is a former Pro Bowl tight end, former, uh, I believe he made an all-pro team too in 2000. Oh, no, he did not make an all-pro team in 2018. He got snubbed that year. Uh, dealt with injuries last year. Obviously, with Dallas Goddard coming into the fold in 2019, it kind of like, I don't want to say like an overcrowded tight end room, but you draft the tight end in the second round. You don't really expect him to be a backup. He's on his last year of his contract, Ertz. Uh, there's a lot of rumors going around that he could get traded. And I'm kind of I, I'm not really banging on that because I think Zach Ertz, wherever he plays, is going to be a good football player. Obviously, his career is winding down a little bit, but he's still a good pass catcher. I, I heard a spot about him, Core. It seemed like the Buffalo Bills are close to acquiring Zach Ertz. And I would absolutely love that for Ertz. I would love that for Josh Allen. And I would love that as a fantasy football owner because I think Ertz could have a nice bounce back year where people maybe are like, uh, he's a little washed up. You know what I mean? But I think Ertz is only about 31 I want to say so. I think he's got maybe a couple seasons left in him. Maybe, maybe I think like this season on his last year on his contract, it won't be his last contract, but it'll be like his last big payday season probably. But uh, yeah, I would love to see Ertz in that Buffalo offense. Oh no, I think uh, Zach Ertz definitely was a guy. I'm not gonna lie, like I 
I think he kind of is not the same self he once was. But, I mean, when you said – I didn't even know. Like, you said close to a deal with the Bills. Like, he goes to that Bills team. I think that makes that Bills offense even more scarier than it already is. So, I mean, I think that could be a completely rejuvenation for the guy. I think he's, yeah, he's either 30 or 31. So, I, I think in the, I, I don't see this guy thriving really in, in Philadelphia anymore. If he stays here for this last year, like, I don't think he'll do much. I think Goddard is the main tight end now. I think Ertz, a few years ago, probably was the top five, top three tight end. But, yeah, I mean, at this late in in this draft, you're getting a guy like Zach Ertz. I mean, that's another another great value pick. I'm leaving guys on the board. You get Hawkinson at uh, six. And this guy at, I don't even know, it was like 14. 14. Yeah, no, nah, two, two really good value picks. I think you, you got one more, right? That was your first one, right? Yeah, I have, I have one more at 15. Uh, but yeah, er, listen, Ertz is only a season removed from have, from being fourth in the league. He had about 916 yards and six touchdowns in 2019. 2018 was his big year, over 1,000 yards. That was the year Wentz played really well. And obviously, yeah, listen, Wentz didn't play great last year. Doesn't really That doesn't really help his scenario. He's banged up a little bit, missed like about five games. So we'll wait and see what happens. I, I hope for his sake he does get a chance in Buffalo. Uh, I can't think off like the top of my head where like another real good spot for him to go would be but um I, I mean that's a clear opening that i think uh hopefully both parties can get it done and with the last pick i think this actually pick is an absolute coin toss i'd agree like right now if i look at the draft board i think all 14 guys who are on this board should have definitely gotten drafted right at some point like in the 16 these last two like there's nobody left on the board if you ask me that i think should get drafted or honestly like 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 deserves to have a solidified spot so I may, t- I may take an extra one right here. Just uh, just think this out because I, I'm looking at my rankings too, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to take this guy. I don't want to take this guy. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with a two-time Pro Bowler. I guess maybe I'm going today a little bit on track history. No, no, I'm not. Never mind. I'm not picking it. I can't pick this guy. I'm going to go on a guy who I hope breaks out this year, a guy who finished fourth last year out of all tight ends with – 700 or oh, excuse me yeah, 703 receiving yards had six touchdowns a guy who once a week uh once a year excuse me have one big week that you'll be like oh is Mike Gusecki really the next big thing at the tight end position former second rounder out of Penn State uh another athletic tight end uh big big red zone threat he can get up with the best of them there uh I hope to talk about uh has a bounce back not I'm not even call it a bounce back season continues to progress because um I think Gusecki is still – I know he's getting like – this is probably like his fourth year now. So it kind of has to be like – the clock's like winding down on is like what type of future maybe he has, like uh, like like a ceiling or whatever. But um, I hope he can put it together this year with two, and I hope he can become a reliable target. Maybe it helps out too that uh, a lot of the pressure's off with Noah – with uh, Wolf Fuller and Jalen Waddle on the outside. No, honestly, I think uh, 15th pick. I really like this this pick. This is I thought my guy was going to be taken. But, yeah, not Gusecki – I think I, yeah. You look up at the stat sheet, and this guy Gasecki's randomly dropping like mad good games out of nowhere. Which personally, I think I think he's good at a Penn State, and uh, he had I, th- I know he had at least one like really crazy one handed catch. So like talents there, six six, pretty fast guy. So yeah, now Gasecki is uh, a really good pick here. And honestly, I think I think through the first fifteen picks of this draft, you're kind you're kind of outsmarting me here. But yeah, and I, I like this Gasecki, Gasecki pick honestly. But so I have I have one more pick, right? Yep, you got the last one right here. 
All right, my last pick. I mean, you didn't really take my guy. I thought this guy was going to be taken. Yeah, I think I know it. I think I'll go. Guy had a good game in the playoffs, even though his team lost. Mm -hmm. I think he had, like, I'm not sure. I know it was either, like, the last game. No, I think, right? Uh, He maybe didn't play. I know he came on at the end. I'll take Logan Thomas, former quarterback out of Virginia Tech. I'll, um... I think he came on in the middle towards the end of that out of that um towards the end of that year at 670 yards. I think uh Terry McLaurin obviously the number one guy, but I think at the tight end position Logan Thomas can emerge as a as a number two. Oh, they just got Curtis Samuel. What am I saying? But definitely could still emerge as a as a as a target for Ryan Fitzpatrick or Taylor Heineke. So yeah, my last pick, I'll take the former quarterback. Uh, Logan Thomas. I had a feeling you were going Logan Thomas. I know you're uh, like, whatchamacallit, uh, eyeing him down. A uh, lot of targets for Logan Thomas last year. I think maybe he was a victim of, oppor- like, like just circumstance. I shouldn't call him a victim. I mean, he benefited from the circumstance of Alex Smith just not taking shots downfield as a security break blanket. He had 110 targets, which ranked third in the tight end position, which is pretty substantial if you consider that really for like the first half of the year he wasn't playing a whole ton like he was a starting tight end but like he wasn't really a focal point but yeah complimentary to Terry McLaurin uh had a good season I'm not gonna knock that maybe with Curtis Samuel uh who knows if it's Patrick I don't don't necessarily if like he give uh, hopefully he builds on it I just personally think that like Alex Smith was like and like what Alex Smith was doing was like just perfect for him and I kind of think that like maybe his uh like his production was a little like like higher than it should have been in that start. But listen, he's still he's still relatively new to the position. I mean, like you said, the guy came into the league as a quarterback. But time for honorable mentions. Uh, I guess I'll start with you first. We'll just kind of like rattle off some names. Or we'll, we'll, give me give me a couple first. Uh, who, who are some honorable mentions that uh, like if you had one more pick or one two more picks, who would you go with? I think honestly, a uh, honorable mention. I would have to go with Austin Hooper probably. I know uh, might not have had a great year in in Cleveland, but yeah, definitely him. I mean, Dalton Schultz kind of played well this year in Dallas. I mean, I don't know if Blake Jarwin will be back, but I mean, he he he's pretty good. I'll give I'll give Irv Smith a uh, potential honorable mention, and then my last guy. I'm honestly taking them all up, but yeah, I'll t- Jared Cook also now in the the Los Angeles Chargers. Those are uh. Four guys I'll give I'll give honorable mention to. I don't know if I took any of your guys, but I mean it's honorable mention. So yeah, those are my guys. Yeah, no, listen, you you could have kept going. You know, what I mean, I I got no problem with you beating me to the punch there. But Austin Hooper was actually the guy I was about to take at number fifteen. The only reason why I was going to take him is because he does have the pedigree. At least he does. He did make two Pro Bowls. He had a good twenty nineteen season, which led to him getting a big contract at the tight end position, which he was about the highest paid tight end for I think like very short period of time. I think maybe it was like a day or something. Then Kittle signed his extension. But what scared me is that like, I mean, last year I had him in fantasy. I took like a shot on him because I figured that, oh, the Browns run offense would be so good this year and stuff that uh, he should be what you would call Like he should be a monster in the red zone and stuff. But it it was a disaster. Harrison Bryant, um, like it felt like was like, had just as many targets, like he didn't have just as many targets, but like the, the production was the same. Like it seemed like it seemed like Austin Hooper missed a couple games. They didn't even like, and the offense didn't miss him when he was not there. So I hope he has a bounce back year. I think it's a good system for him to bounce back on. I was definitely going to mention him. Hayden Hurst, another guy. I think he got done a little dirty uh, with uh, Kyle Pitts 
going to Atlanta. I think he's still going to touch the field, obviously. Uh, I think they, I can see them in a lot of two tight end sets because he is talented, former first round pick out of South Carolina. Um, Kyle Rudolph, uh, a new New York Giant now. Hopefully he can slide into the tight end two role in their offense and uh, make some plays in the red zone, another big red zone threat. And another guy who I'll throw out there, maybe maybe this guy's a fantasy sleeper and I'm giving him away, Gerald Everett, now on the Seattle Seahawks. I think he, I think he's going to put up uh, some numbers in that offense and uh, I'm still on the West Coast. But yeah, uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. Hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed and we're going to keep this up. I'm not sure exactly what position we're going to get to um, next week or in the following weeks, but uh, yeah. We got to get through July and then think about it in August. College football is just right there and the NFL is coming right behind it. So uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. Take care. Have a good one.